Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Jerry Hamilton and Justin Wells. And today's show brought to you by Andy Lukey of MyPerfectFranchise.net. And uh, guys, let's get right into it. Jerry, I'm going to kick it over to you first. I know you posted a note this morning about DeAndre Robinson. I'm going to let you share it with everybody. Yeah, first of all, Chris Jane, I'm joy- I'm jealous you're in Boynton Beach, Florida. Um, I'm, I, if you got a view of the water, it's a good one in South Florida. I did that one for six years. Um, yeah, DeAndre Robinson, uh, Rapid City, South Dakota. Heck yeah, man. I hadn't seen that one before. Um, yeah, DeAndre Robinson is scheduled uh, scheduled to be in Austin this weekend. Uh, we learned that um, yesterday, uh, so we'll wait to see if DeAndre does make that visit. Of course, uh, that would be a that'll be a key visit in this recruitment. He was at the Texas Wyoming game, then he unexpectedly showed up at the Florida Charlotte game last weekend uh, that that nobody knew about. The Texas staff did not know about. So, if DeAndre follows through on his plans to be in Austin this weekend, I'm sure that'll be a uh, that'll be a key uh, meeting with Sarkeesian and Bo Davis in this recruitment. Um, we also put out yesterday at Inside Texas that Solomon Williams, four-star edge out of Tampa Carrollwood Day, he's making his official visit to Texas this weekend with his mom. Um, what's interesting is he didn't, he couldn't make the Texas-Wyoming game because his grandmother uh, was admitted to the hospital. Um, obviously, you're not going to make an official visit with your mom that weekend. Um, she got out of the hospital at some point last week. Texas A&M? Kind of got him. They snuck him in for an official visit last weekend for the Auburn game. It wasn't publicized anywhere. So Solomon Williams visited AM officially last weekend for the Auburn game. He's at Texas this weekend. Guys, I'm not going to be surprised if one of those two teams doesn't win out. I mean, Alabama is very much in it. Uh, the College of Pharmacy, his major, could be a factor there if he ends up in the state of Texas. Um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see which direction this goes. He may still visit Oregon as well. Uh, but that's the latest on Solomon Williams, the latest on DeAndre Robinson, and I'm sure we'll get a lot more uh, questions coming up. Ocean K, Bahamas, Jay Archer. You can't. You shouldn't be allowed to post on comments if you're in the Ocean K, Bahamas, Jay Archer. That's a, beat, that's a mental beating right there for all of us. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I know that, uh, Justin, you posted a visitors list yesterday um, on one of your recruiting pieces. Got through some of the other bigger names to expect this weekend. Yeah. Um, like Jerry, Jerry mentioned Solomon Williams. Um, I think Kobe Black coming in is, is huge. Uh, I believe he is. He, he's going to wind up making it Saturday morning. I, I think that's a recruitment Texas has been tremendous at. And they're going to continue that right now. Um, DeCorian Moore, I mean, second straight home game. He's seen Texas. Um, you know, Jerry calls him a verbal for, for a soft verbal for a reason. Which LSU fans don't like. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the LSU fans don't have to like it. It's going to be DeCorian's decision if and when he flips. Um, but he's he's going to be at Texas this weekend. That's big too. And the list is pretty. We've got a good list already built out. Jerry and I are going to post a, an update here in just a little bit in the humidor. But I think they're, they're really positioning themselves well with twenty fives and twenty twenty sixes. You know they're finishing strong in twenty four. You got Solomon Williams. You've got uh, you know DeAndre Carter, which I, I think Texas is sneaky in that recruitment right now. And then obviously, you know, guys like Solomon and, and stuff and Kobe, but 25s look good. I think that's kind of where Texas is, is going to start making some hay because yeah. people don't realize this 2024 cycle is almost over. 
There's not a whole lot of spots left, but they are really laying a strong foundation in the 2025 class. I like guys like Noah Michael, linebacker out of, of Laverne, California, out of Benita. I think that's an interesting guy to have on campus. Markel Ford, safety out of Mar- Mesquite Lauren, uh, Horn. They've got a handful of dudes over at Horn, man. Him Rogers. Really yeah. talented young program. Absolutely. And so visitor list is wind up, you know, in, in, in the past, you wouldn't have thought much of a Texas, Kansas recruiting visitor list. You do now because Texas takes advantage of each one of these opportunities in the home team. The home crowd has been beneficial over the last couple of years for Texas in this regard. And I think that's going to come to come to fruition on Saturday. One of Justin and I's favorites, uh, 2025 Zion Williams from Lufkin's is scheduled to be in Austin this weekend. And the other kid in state that we really like at D-Tack on 25, Dylan Battle out of Mansfield Timberview, he hit me up about 15 minutes ago. He's going to be at Texas OU in two weeks. Uh, so uh, the next two weeks, Texas, their they're top two D-Tackles on the board in 2025 will be in attendance at Texas games here the next two weeks. All right, guys, before we get into all the questions, and don't forget we got plenty of time to get to those, so be sure to get your questions for Jerry and Justin in. One thing that I want to talk about is uh, Bobby had Gus Johnson on as a, as a <laughs> guest the other day. And, you know, we're talking about these high school kids. Well, Gus had a, a pretty good uh, story about when he was calling high school games. And Bobby and I were talking this morning. He wants us to, to talk about it. And so we're going to do just that. But first, I'm going to play that clip. And so everybody can see in case they missed it. When I was uh, a young sportscaster, I was working in D.C. at the time as a weekend anchor man, But I would do games in the inner high i will call games in the inner high on my off days and uh i just had a tape recorder and a microphone and i would just sit in the stands i would do my boards and i would just just do my best to to just to call the game and i remember one time i was calling the game and uh this kid breaks down the sideline and (laughs) He's running into the end zone for a touchdown. And I go, and here comes Johnny Smith down the sideline. Johnny Smith. And then in the middle of me making the call, this lady grabbed the mic out of my hand. And she goes, that's my baby. That's my (laughs) baby. And then I grabbed the mic back from her and said, and her baby goes 65 yards for a touchdown. (laughs) A.C. was all right, there you go. So Gus Johnson there with Ray Peters and Bobby Burton. You can catch the whole interview uh, on the On Texas Football YouTube channel. But, guys, I feel Gus's pain. Um, I was covering Baron Morton when he was a senior at Eastland. And when you're at Eastland, they put you in the stands. So we're live on the air radio, and he throws a dime. I mean, like a 40-yard touchdown pass, and the guy beside me, son of a – uh, my kid has got to play better defense goes clear across the radio waves and yeah it's so i've been there i feel his pain all too well things hurt all day in aau basketball gyms by the way <laughs> <laughs> you can sit anywhere in an aau basketball gym and that's what you hear uh, that's, that's great stuff from gus uh antoine parker kiani armstrong yeah, Texas really likes him at tight end, not DN, tight end. They really like Keati Armstrong. There's there's three in-state tight ends that have Texas attention in 2025. He's definitely one of them. Uh, Texas staff is staying in contact with Jas- uh, Jasper coaching staff on Keati Armstrong. Keati's probably an A&M lean right now. We'll see where it goes. 
All right. Well, let's get to some questions, guys. Uh, we'll just start right here at the top. E. Kim says, good morning from Rockford, Illinois. What's the best offensive line haul for 2025? Uh, Justin's adopted son, Michael Fasusi. Um, look, they really like – they like, really like a kid named John Mills out of San Francisco. I put him uh, uh, inside text at our kind of first 2025 best class scenario. It's early. Uh, but John Mills is a kid. They really like an interior – Offensive line, really like Jackson Christian at Fort Natchez Groves, who's going to be at the game Saturday. Uh, I put I put in an RPM for him for Texas. I, I that one, that one I think is trending well for Texas. I'm not saying he's committing soon, um, but they they have a lot of guys, man. A lot of out of state guys. Look, Lamont Rogers will be there Saturday. They love um, Byron Washington up at Desoto. His upside six eight three sixty. I mean, he's a large, large human. If anybody watched that Clay Chalkville versus Thompson game on ESPN last night. Clay Chalkville had a 6'8 and a half, 360-pound offensive tackle going to Oregon. Byron Washington, I think, is similar to that with maybe even a thicker frame, if that makes sense. Um, uh, but Byron Washington, as a kid, they really like his upside. Uh, so there, hey, there's there's a – this is not a class where Texas is going to be out of state a lot on the offensive line. I can tell you that. They really like the in-state group of offensive linemen. There's depth at the position. Uh, I know we get a lot of questions about singular guys. It's only going to be two tackles, though. It's only going to be two tackles in this class. So there's a, quite a few offensive tackles that are talented. All right, this next question, uh, direct and to the point from Michael Garcia, Jerry. He says, just say it, bro. How many silent commits do we have? <laughs> For someone asking how many Jerry's. Drinking my tropical smoothie right now. <laughs> I told him I'd ask, so I asked. All right, here we go. We'll move on to the next one. Randy Etheridge, has any team ever had inroads at three more talent-laden teams than Duncanville, IMG, and Modern Day? No, I mean, that's that's where you want to be. I mean, I um, Modern Day, I mean, hey, look, by the way, Justin, we need to mention the Sear Wyatt. One of, maybe the number one or two linebacker in the country. I brought him up the other day, and, and yeah. no one – I asked about him the other day because, I, you know, he had dropped his top eight and Texas was in it, and I was trying yeah. to get some traction on that recruitment, but nobody said anything. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that's that's one where I think uh, uh, Texas is uh, very, very much in it for, um, uh, for Nasir White, who is really – Really good closing speed, really, really good range. He's a kid that's going to be about 6'3", 235 one day. Uh, top 25 kid in the country. So uh, Texas all over modern day in that 2025 class. Duncanville, you know, Colin and Alex January in 24. Obviously, I'll have Corey and Moore in 25. JV on holidays and maybe in 25. Their next group, probably 26s. They got some pretty good young kids over there. Their freshman class is really talented as well. So – yeah, and then IMG. The tough thing about IMG, though, is since you never know who's going to be there year to year, so many kids get recruited on a year-to-year basis, it's hard to say, okay, Texas is definitely going to recruit IMG every year. There may not be a 2025 guy, one they like, two they could get in on, so we'll see how that roster kind of develops because that roster develops differently than other high schools. Uh, we're going to go back to that first question from E. Kim. Uh, David Williams had a comment. Whenever the subject of 25 offensive linemen comes up, the beginning has to be David Sanders from Charlotte, North Carolina. What's yeah, actually, David always wants the number one tackle in the country. <laughs> and he's going to write that for the next 
18 months, <laughs> even though he's not Texas. David Sanders isn't going to Texas. Yeah, I Dave talked to him. Is, is going to write this for the next 18 months, regardless <laughs> of the fact that he is not going to Texas. Um, yeah, so the uh, David Sanders, uh, uh, I was actually in Florida last week with Keith Niebuhr, uh, on three colleague, and he he spoke with Sanders high school coach, or we did, uh, at lunch before we went to Carrollwood Day. Because we, we wanted to ask him about David Sanders. There's no plans for Sanders to visit Texas right now. Uh, Georgia's done pretty well in the Charlotte area in North Carolina. Clemson has done pretty well in that area. So uh, I think you look at start with those two uh, right now in that recruitment. And our next question, y'all, uh, is going to be uh, from Zachary Delgado. And he says, Nate Kibble isn't talked about very much, but what are his strengths and weaknesses? Yeah, well, first thing is Nate Kibble won't be in Austin this weekend because he's going to go watch his brother play. His brother plays small college football. Uh, so he's that's why he's not coming to Texas this weekend. Uh, you know, look, he's, his foot quickness has gotten better. He's got length, okay? He's maybe six two and a half, but he's got that 79, 80-inch wingspan. He's got long arms. He's got quick feet. He's got a strong frame. Um, you know, weaknesses for him, I think he's, he's always played tackle. Coming into play guard, all everything that's going in your peripheral, both directions, more so than one direction. Um, and the other thing is just where's his max out? I think physically he's closer. He'll he'll reshape his body, but he's closer to being a finished product physically than a lot of guys uh, Texas has recruited. So that's one thing is his upside may not be as great as a, the Trevor Goosby's, DJ Campbell, some of these guys Texas has recruited. Uh, but he's a good player, very well coached, plays for Craig Stump, former AM quarterback, but his offensive line coach does a really good job down there at Atascacita. Uh, he will be mentally prepared. He's a four-year starter in 6A football in Texas. And then this next question from Emmanuel Villafranco, he says, can recruits use their official visit for the OU Texas game? No. They cannot. They cannot. That's an unofficial visit. You wouldn't want to use your official visit for a game that's out of town. Official visits are to visit the school. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. The one interesting thing is that's changed in the Georgia-Florida, um, uh, that that neutral game over in Jacksonville. Florida has an official visitor that weekend. That is so – and to Justin's point, it's so weird for me to see that because I guess after the game – Saturday, maybe he goes back to Gainesville with the team and he's there Sunday and he's a kid at IMG. Then he leaves Sunday and makes the drive back to IMG. But that's just weird that we're beginning to hear that. But with Texas OU, Justin, I have we haven't heard anything about Texas looking at having an official visitor that weekend. Uh, But I think the Florida Georgia thing is a little easier. Jacksonville to Gainesville, the kids at IMG. So maybe it makes sense because his parents are going to be in town that weekend. Uh, Randy Etheridge says, Jerry, I just saw Duncanville players have $2.3 million in NIL about. Is that the most in the country, or do schools like IMG beat that? I would, I haven't Probably done a st- 90% Colin Simmons. <laughs> and and Corey Moore, I mean, you guys. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know on that. I have to, I'd have to take a look at that, really, and see. You would think um, – you would think if modern day – really publicize their guys those kids were active on social media but they might have a shot at it um, but I haven't, I haven't done a study on that all right king me says we're at 18 how many spots are open for high schoolers i think 23 
I think five, five or six more. more. Yeah, I think Texas is going to be more active in the portal this year than people think. I'll, I'll throw that out there. And then a question from Corey J. He's talking about 2025 corner Jabari Antoine. Where does Jabari. Texas stand? Jabari. Antoine. Jabari, sorry. That's uh, <laughs> that's uh, New Iberia Westgate uh, 2025 corner. He's going to be on campus Saturday. Uh, that's his second time this year to be at Texas. Uh, they're, they're making some hay there. One of the interesting notes about Jabori is that he's close with Derek Williams, the freshman safety. Yeah. They worked out together actually the last few summers. Uh, and so th- there's a little connection there. And listen, Jabori is a, is a ball player. He is a sneaky corner. He's like the Santana Wilson of this class. And Texas is, is really putting in a, uh, a good foundation with this guy right now. All right, guys. Let's talk. Let's take some team-related questions for a little bit. We're going to yeah. start right here with Captain Americano. He says, "I know Thark runs an all, runs an all, the offense, but what formations or schemes do you expect Texas to lean on against Kansas? Do you expect to see a lot of heavy personnel, or do we spread them out with four wide?" I I think I think you're going to be multiple. I, I, I think you're going to be multiple, but I think Texas does know they have an advantage on the interior. Uh, on both of these lines in this game. Uh, I, I think the uh, Kansas interior, their edge guys, one of the D tackles, they're pretty good players over the ball, not so much. Uh, same thing for uh, the Texas, I mean, the Kansas guard center guard, not as strong as their tackles. I think Texas knows that. I think Texas will be multiple. I mean, they've been multiple all season. I don't think, I don't think there's any reason to change that they're going to change that. Um, I, I do think running the football early and inside is going to be a key for Texas in this game. I, I do think that. I mean, Jonathan Brooks has a good flow going. Cedric Baxter is closer to 100% this week. Uh, Texas has to run the ball effectively in this game. There's no doubt about it. You know what's interesting about Kansas, guys? I was doing a – you know, I have the weekend live thread going. You know what Kansas reminds me of? I've been, I've been thinking about what they remind me of. They remind me of the very experienced college basketball team that makes the run in the tournament. I mean, I, I don't know if people, and I'm not saying they're going to make the playoff, but they return 85% of their production in 2022. 91% of production on offense, which leads the nation in returning production, 80% on defense. They, they have 398 career starts entering the season. That's like one of those experienced college basketball teams, right? Execution is going to be very much at a premium for Texas this week. Uh, Carlos Carrion says over or under 300 passing yards for yours this weekend. Justin. Push. 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 <laughs> well, look, Kansas has a pretty good, listen, Kansas has a pretty good secondary. Yeah. And I think Texas wins this game at the line of scrimmage. It's kind of similar how they did with Baylor, where they're just going to, I think they're going to be able to run the ball. And so I don't think yours is going to need to throw for 300. Now, ask me that question next week. You might get an over. Yeah, look, I'll say this. If Quinn goes for 300 yards in this game, Texas might cover the number. It's only 18 or 17. Yeah. All right, y'all. This next question here, uh, and you may not have the answer for it, but King me talking about red shirts. Can you tell us who will burn the red shirt Saturday and how they fared so far this season? Is anybody even close to hitting that four number? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. This is, should be the – yeah, I think guys already have. I mean, Trey Weisner, Jelani McDonald, Derek Williams. Derek I mean, Williams. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of guys that aren't Anthony Hill and Malik Muhammad playing a ton of snaps. Uh, Gooseby's appeared in two games. I bet they keep him. I bet they keep his red shirt. Um, Jontae Cook is past that point. Baxter. Cedric Baxter is now going to hit that number this week. Uh, DeAndre Moore is getting close. Moore is getting close. He's getting close as well in that number. So um, I think those are the main guys. Uh, Leon LaFowl obviously has hit the number. He's hit that number as well. There you go. So Joel McWaters preaches sometimes, says, given the number of offensive line guys, will we ever see a starting five from beginning to end of season bearing injury? Sure. I'm trying, I'm trying to think. I'm maybe misunderstanding that question. I think he means like a starting five, like from day one through the end of the season. I mean, that's ideal. That's ideal. But understand, too, Flood likes to rotate these guys. Like, they like to have eight guys that they can rely on. Now, they're going to stand with five, mostly six on game days. But they like to have a fresh rotation. And so that, and, and you want that. I mean, continuity in the O-line is ginormous. Everyone understands that. But you, you're you running a marathon of a season now with college football playoff, with, with the Bulls and stuff like that. So you you got to play some guys. you got to have some guys coming off the bench, rotating in, staying fresh. And so – Ideally, you'd love to have a five that doesn't change, that doesn't, you know, that stays the same barring injury. It's just not always that likely in 2023. Well, uh, we had Texas had the same starting five last year for 13 games. I believe they've started the same five all every game this year. Yes, yes. Even, so, even when Cole Hudson outsnapped Campbell against Alabama. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, so that that's going to remain the same unless those guys get injured. It's going to be the same same starting five the whole season this year as it was last year. All right. Next question from Connor Vaughn. He says, y'all think holding Kansas to 24 or less is good enough to win, assuming crew cut Quinn shows up under center. If Texas holds Kansas to 24 and loses, they've had a very bad day offensively. Uh, That's all I got to say. I mean, I'm not trying to disrespect Kansas. Uh, at all because I do think they're a quality football team with a hell of a lot of experience. Um, but if Texas scores 23 or 20 against Kansas, yeah, I think this this chat's going to be very interesting Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this next one here is going to be from Jackson Powell. He says, how do coaches fix a muff punt problem? Is it a mental thing? Well, hey, uh, it's all about your footwork. Yeah. Yeah, Xavier Worthy. Look, the ball. I wasn't at in Waco. Apparently, there was a little bit of crosswind, uh, but Xavier Worthy just didn't have his feet underneath him on yeah. that. I mean, I think that. Well, I, I I might be wrong. How many punts has Jordan Whittington caught in his career? I mean, it's not many, right? But Worthy's was just he just wasn't. He just didn't have his feet underneath him on that one. I think they'll be fine. Um, I think you know more concerning than the the punt to me was. I mean, like. That's it's going to happen. It's better happen to, and, and, uh, when you're up big, obviously. But Akeelan Robinson dumping the kickoff a little bit. I, they might have had something there. Okay, we got a super chat here from Terrell Hennigan. Thank you, Terrell. He says, if you had to choose, would you rather have an efficient Quinn, who's around 75 to 80% completion rate, or a 60% Quinn where he's hitting like three to four big plays per game? I'm, I'm good with where he's at now. I mean, I, I'm good with where he's at now because – uh, Jatavion Sanders is, um, they have big plays down the field, whether it's a catch and run by Worthy 
I, I think the explosive plays uh, are huge. If you can run the ball, explosive plays in the passing game are huge as long as your defense can stop the run. Uh, because if you're on the field too long defensively and you have a quick strike offensively, if those guys aren't good against the run, then you have issues. But as long as Texas is stopping the run, uh, then I have no issues with Quinn hitting 60, 61% of his passes and Texas being a big play offense. I don't think Texas – I don't think Texas is. I don't think Quinn's turned the ball over since TCU yeah. last year. Ter- Terrell, I think you can have a little of both. It doesn't have to be one or the other. All right, guys. Before we move on, if I can find it here, uh, I need to tell everybody about Andy Ludicky and my perfect franchise. If you're looking to diversify, you may be somebody like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you diversify by finding you businesses that will fit your time, allotment, and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a really cool process. I did it myself. You can contact him at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. We want to thank him for sponsoring today's show. And let's get on with the questions here. Uh, Heoli Frioli 93 says, Can David Bender raise his draft chances if he continues to improve every week as he's done so far? He's going to get dinged for his height. Let's just be honest. David Benda's going to get a chance in the league. He's going to get a cup of coffee for how long? I'm not sure. But Benda's going to get dinged for his height. He's going to get dinged for his size at that position. And it's obviously not his fault. And then this next question uh, from Zane Petty says, did Cam Williams have his best game against Baylor last week? It seems like his confidence is growing. Yeah, I think I think he's, his confidence is going to continue to grow. I mean, the one thing I don't think it's been publicized much, but he was sick for part of fall camp. He missed a few days of fall camp. Um, you know, he got a little bit behind there, but he's a he's still a young player. I mean, but his upside remains extremely high. Um, he came out of Duncanville as a guy that needed some time, uh, but I think his confidence is going to continue to grow. I think he's going to be hellacious in the run game. Uh, the the next two years when I suspect he starts at Texas, um, I, I think he's going to be an NFL draft pick. Uh, Hulk Hogan's bad mood mustache. <laughs> what a name! I'm oh, sorry, Britt Rasco asked me a question. PNG at TC. Who you got, Jerry? Hold up one finger for PNG, two for Texas City. That game's at Texas City. I'll take Texas City. Uh, senior running backs are dude. He's a tough tackle. PNG's got to bring a lot of hats. All right, uh, Hulk Hogan's bad mood mustache says, is Naor being preserved for the thick of the schedule just behind Cook, or is he still battling injury? He's just behind some better players right now. It's, you know, it's nothing. I don't think it's anything more than that. He's not injured anymore, um, and, and he's getting a few reps. He's just they're – de- they're deep. That's a position, Jerry, that, that really needed an injection last this, this offseason, and they got it. And I think to, to, to a detriment that we're not seeing as much of Nayor because you've got an Adonai Mitchell that's out there. So I, I don't think he's being preserved for anything. He's just in a, a situation that's – there's a lot of good talent there. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, if we're, we're being real, I agree with Justin. And, let's, uh, and I think we also have to be real on this. I think his dauber's down. All right, we're going to move on here. Mark Valdez says, would you prefer to be in this timeline? Defense and D-line are kicking butt, but and are the real stars of the team, 
or go to the timeline we thought we'd be in during the summer. Quinn plus wide receivers equals 50 points. Well, I was, well, never, I, I was never on the 50-point bandwagon. I mean, I mean, what did Vince Young and that Texas team average? I mean, now you 50 you points more, a game. Yeah, that's not this. I mean, yeah. one of the best players we'll ever see. Um, but, uh, you know. I, they're, I, they're playing complimentary football, Jerry. I think yeah. it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I, it's I, not I, a one or the other. I, I like where Texas is at right now because they haven't played their best on offense. If they played yes. their best, then it's a different conversation. They haven't played their best yet. And then I think defensively with Texas, um, the next two weeks, and I'm not sure it's not Kansas more than Oklahoma because of experience and personnel. Um, you know, I, I think Texas is a very good defense. We're going to find out if they go to if they're really an elite elite defense. Uh, because they haven't played a good offensive team yet, and they're about to at least play two quality offensive teams the next two weeks. Yeah. Hey, guys, I want to address this question from Mock Snell real quick. He says, co-op broadcast oh, yeah. today. Good morning from Austin and Hookham. And the answer is yes. Beginning at 3 o'clock, the live stream will be right here on On Texas Football. Uh, Rod and Bobby will be at the co-op. Jerry, I know you'll be joining in as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Bobby's currently about 38,000 feet sipping on a ginger ale on his way to Austin um, for that. Uh, Rod Babers will be at the co-op today as well, uh, new dad Rod Babers. So anybody in Austin, 3 to 4 p.m. Uh, for Longhorn Friday live stream at the co-op today. They have the happy hour at the co-op. Uh, I, I hear they're doing record uh, sales over there right now, which is not uh, unexpected. Um, but, yeah, 3 to 4 p.m., Longhorn live stream on Friday. Rod Babers, myself, Bobby Burton, we'll we'll be chopping it up for an hour. Uh, and then don't forget, speaking of sipping on things, there will be uh, free adult beverages while you shop. So another, all the more reason to come. That's out. very smart, by the way. <laughs> no doubt about it. All right, guys. Uh, let's see. I just had a question and then I lost it. Oh, here we go. Jackson Kelso, a season over a quarter way through. Do you see Texas having many more transfers this go round compared to last season? There's gonna be a few. There'll be a few, but it's not gonna be like it was the last few years. Yeah, I think um, I, I'm in interested to see because this is the year. If you continue to have success on the field, where there will be a few kids question at that point where their future is. Um, so, oh, Justin, man, you're about to get a super chat. Be ready. Um, I'm just saying, you got your green Lobo shirt on. It's a good I've one. Already, I've already seen it. I love when people – I pick it's Lufkin right, to have a good season. Green. I love it when I pick Lufkin to have a good season and people think that I'm downing Longview. That's that's the that's a fan mentality 101. Oh, you like one? Well, you must hate the other. Justin <laughs> Wells took a blowtorch to the Lobo's uh, 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 athletic facility. <laughs> yeah, I say Lufkin was playing good football. It, it, I love East Texas. I love these dudes that, yeah, sleeping on Lobos. Yeah, nobody who's ever lived in East Texas ever has slept on the Longview Lobos, Jesse. Let's just be real. There's no reason to. John King and those guys have a machine. Top 10 matchup. I don't think Forney's the top 10 team, even though they do have some, some young talent. I think Longview handles them. I think they do that because that's what they do in district play. Longview Lobo prepared for district play like nobody else, and so uh, I think it'll be a I think it'll be a good game. But I, I definitely like the Lobos right now. Taylor Tatum is playing out of his mind, and we had a question the, uh, earlier from one of the guys about 
Texas being loaded at the star, and if that's why they're not going after Willie Nelson, the safety uh, commit to Oklahoma State from Longview. Uh, they're not going after Willie Nelson because um, Willie Nelson's probably 5'8", maybe. Uh, he is tiny now. He plays like a like, like 205 pounds. He brings hat. He, he definitely makes plays. I think Oklahoma State is a tremendous spot for him. I don't know if you, he can do any better than, than Stillwater. And, and I love that, 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 that they linked up last summer and, and that, that that happened. But, no, Willie Nelson's not on the Texas radar. He's maybe 5'8", five, 5'8 eight, five, eight and a half. He's just – he makes plays, and he's got a great name for Austin. He's just a little on the slot side <laughs> to play for Texas. Uh, that leads me to this super chat here from Brandon Huey. We'll kind of transition back over to recruiting for a minute. Uh, Livingstone, Jerry, where do you – Wide receiver. Five. <laughs> <laughs> Parker Livingstone, where do you he's see 2024. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if Brandon, if you mean somebody else, just let let us know. But uh, Livingstone, wide receiver, twenty twenty four. Yeah, and he's uh, he's still out injured, by the way. All right, so we will let Brandon clarify if he needs to, and then we'll come back to that one. Uh, hey, hey, Rudio's trying to Rudio's. He's trying to be sneaky. Eh, I like the question. <laughs> Do we sign two from, from modern day IMG and Duncan? Okay, so let's break it down. Let's break it down. What Rudy said, there's, there's two down, one to go. Well, and then I think he's also asking, he wants to know, is Jarrett Gibson going to stick or flip? I think he's got, I think that's a two-sided question there. Is DeAndre Carter going to flip the Texas? Is Jarrett Gibson going to sign with Texas? Um, I think DeAndre Carter will be interesting. Jay Lee's asking why Super Chat got uh, skipped. We may not have seen that. Um, DeAndre Carter will be interesting. If you're Auburn, you, you're very nervous because he just committed September 3rd and he's coming on an official visit to Texas this weekend with his parents. So if you're Auburn, you're already like, ooh, that's not that's not great. Um, now they knew it was happening. Uh, it's been out there for a while. Uh, but that's still not great for them. The question I have for DeAndre Carter is, does he have in his recruitment, does he see an earlier path to the field? at Auburn versus Texas. It's going to require a little patience at Texas as an interior lineman right now. Real quick, I want to go. I did miss Daly's Super Chat. That's completely my fault. Uh, he said, you're all talking about nay or not playing. It's been reported that he is in the doghouse with Stark. Well, so, sorry about that, Daly. That's, that's what I said. His dauber's a little down. That was my way of saying that there's <laughs> – Right, but he's also not playing as well as the other guys. Right. Orange Bloods can say – <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> they can throw it on the wall and see if it sticks today. Uh, James Lee, different from Jay Lee, uh, says, Jerry, Justin, are either of you going to be at the Mid-County Madness Bum Phillips Bowl this year? So the first round at the Boudin Hut is on me. I am not. No. I'm still, I'm still, um, I'm still blocked on Twitter by Wade Phillips. <laughs> and I don't know why. And so until that gets clarified, there will be no Buddha and Hunt with me. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Jesse Wyatt. Thank you, Jesse, for the super chat. Just giving you a hard time, Justin, for making that pick last week. I'm actually from Dallas, born and raised, but a diehard Lobo fan. If Willie was 6'1 plus, he'd be the top DB in the state. Bob Sanders, 2.0. He's right. Listen, if Willie Nelson is six foot, 
He is a high four-star with 30 offers. Zero question about that. That kid makes plays, led all of East Texas in interceptions his sophomore year, and he is one of the staples of that secondary back there for Longview. I'm a big fan of Nelson, the playmaker, man. I love that he's going to Oklahoma State. I think he's really – I think that's his ceiling. And I know we're talking about recruiting guys, but I want to go ahead and get to the super chat real quick. Uh, Jimmy, or I'm sorry, Larry Trevino says, if so if by chance Sark wins the national championship at Texas, does he take a job in the NFL or does he stick around for the college game? Great content as always. Hook them from Abilene. Uh, here's my opinion and, and, and I'll stick with it. He'll be in Austin as long as Arch Manning's in Austin. I, I think he'll take interest. He'll take calls. I, I think he's a college coach. I think he's, he wants to stay in college. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. All right, let's move on, y'all. Uh, football Texas. Any small school players in Texas starting to get noticed after junior or senior film? Oh, gosh, I'd have to look at that. That's um, a loaded question. I'd need a second to look at that one. Raylan Adams out of Newton. I love that kid. Newton's always got two or three rec- uh, athletes that are just high-level dudes, and I, ro- I really like I really like that kid, Raylan Adams out of Newton. Um, J.J. Garner out of Timpson. Terry Bussey had been injured for a while, and Garner was, was, was tasked with playing quarterback in all of his positions and did nothing but, but, but put himself on the map. Texas Tech's going to offer. Oregon State offered. So, J.J. Garner, 2025 athlete out of Timpson, is a kid I think people need to know about. Um, Beckville's got a running back, 2026, named Jordan Prince, who's already about six foot, six one, 170 pounds, little, little brother of Jacoby Williams, Texas Tech pledge. I think that's a kid that that you can uh, that you need to pay attention to. Um, yeah, there's some there's there, man. When you say small school in Texas, you're yeah, I'm you're t- talking about like 1,300 schools. <laughs> so, but those are ones that have kind of jumped off the the uh, the, the chart and the field for me early on. All right, Jerry, when you have your answer, we can come back to it. I'm Good gonna thing, man. Go, go ahead and go over to this question from Terrell Hannigan. He says, yes. my cousin is Shadow Creek wide receiver Ja'Cory Watson. Do you know if Texas yeah. is recruiting him any? I'm out of state right now. I can't see him play. Yeah. He's actually going to be at the TCU game this weekend, he told me a couple days ago. Um, yeah, Texas is Texas is showing he's, interest in him for sure. He's offered. I believe he's been offered and he's visited twice this yeah. year. He's been on campus. Yeah, He's playing quarterback for Shadow Creek, I think, right? He may, he may be. He uh, was, I think he was the first couple weeks. Yeah, I think they um, did dabble with that a little bit. Um, Jacory yeah. is a great prospect. Jacory's a fun kid to watch play. He's got a good personality. 
They got they Shadow Creek's loaded, man. That's They're loaded. Crazy. Anthony Williams is a dude. I like that safety they had last year. Yeah, uh, they got the Williams guys. kid. I was actually I was going back through uh last see, I think TCU this weekend for uh Jabari Watson, though, guys. All right. And then we have a question here uh from Shavan Patel. And he says, When Texas is hosting recruits for visits during game days. Do they prefer day games so they have more time to spend with the recruits after the game? For sure. Yes, for sure. That That is why um, they have – I think they pegged the Kansas game. They knew that wasn't going to be a night game early on. Um, that they prefer that. They love – I think they love that 2.30 game is the best game for hosting recruits because it gives people time to drive in on Saturday, not feel rushed for 11 a.m. kickoff. Then also – if kids come in and they're inside the state of Texas, then they can drive back after the game. You're not asking the parents to spend money on a hotel that night. They can still have time with those kids. Official visits, absolutely. They they prefer Saturday afternoon versus Saturday night games uh, because they want these kids in, like DeAndre Carter, for a game. Uh, and and, they, and they, they're coming in from California early <clears throat> um, Saturday morning. But then they have a lot of time after the game and then on Sunday – uh, morning and, and through lunch, and then they head back home. They absolutely love the 2.30 games. Uh, Jerry, I know you talked about Solomon Williams uh, when we started the show, but for those that are just joining us, Zane Petty says, Jerry, how are you feeling about Solomon now that he's coming in this weekend? Look, when I was there last week, <clears throat> um, I, I, I got the impression that Texas is in a pretty good spot for him. Uh, the College of Pharmacy is big. Texas is one of the uh, very best in the country there. A&M sneaking him in for an official visit last weekend. It went under the radar. Hasn't, you know, it it, it wasn't out there much. Um, I think it's interesting. I, 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 so A&M got him in last weekend for for the Auburn game. Texas gets him in this weekend. Alabama still feels like they have a shot. Oregon's still in it, trying to get him on campus. I, I think we'll it will be interesting to see. Um, his mom's is coming in on the visit with him this weekend. Um, where does where do things stand when they sit down at the table and make that decision? Well, I always say, well, who's in that circle? I always ask kids, who's in your circle? This one's going to be the high school head coach and the mom and the kid. Uh, those three for sure. Um, we'll see if everybody's on the same page. All right, guys. This next question here. Uh, let me, oh, here we go. Emmanuel Roberts. Why do silent or why do recruits silent commit? Is that a coach's decision or the recruit's decision? Can y'all give some insight? Uh, it's all. It's always the recruits' decision. The coaches, yeah. the coaches, would rather have them out there publicly. But look, these uh, we always say, Justin, Justin, and I have the same answer on this. These kids are in their own lane. They they have their own timeline. They're doing their own thing. Um, but you know that doesn't mean they don't tell it. Now, it's, uh, all, not all silent commits are that public commits, but for the majority of these silent commits, they're they're letting the staff know, hey, I'm coming, I'm coming. This is how things are kind of going to play out. But I, I'm I'm going to be part of the class here. Now that doesn't mean. Texas or any other staff doesn't continue to recruit those guys like they're uncommitted. If you do, then, you know, you end up getting beat. But uh, a lot of times it's the families, it's the kids. They may have a special date down the road. They may It may be after the season's concluded as a senior. It may be it, – it just there's a number of things like that to why I could give a silent and then win wait. They're in their own lane. Okay, let's see here. Brandon Huey with the super chat. He says, Justin, Cook, Moore, Livingstone, and hopefully Wingo start next year? Question mark. I don't <laughs> think Livingstone would start next year. I, I think he would take a little bit of time. 
Uh, I don't know about DeAndre Moore starting next year either, but they are going to lose a handful of guys. They could lose potentially their top four receivers. So it, it, there'll, there'll be some spots open. Wingo would be given an opportunity to make an impact early. Uh, whether he took advantage of that would remain to be seen, but he's an early enrollee. And so if he winds up signing with Texas in December, he's going to get a head start on campus in January. And also don't – listen, portal. Uh, I was going to say a portal for a veteran guy. Like, no doubt. More you're not than- running out four no. guys with under a year's experience. You can, that This offense doesn't work that way. So I feel like they will – they're going to go for – probably look for a, a portal guy, a veteran to, to slide in there, a Keon Coleman type guy. There's, there's no doubt. I, I think Texas is going to look in the portal at wide receiver, tight end, um, linebacker, D-line potentially, um, and potentially potentially safety as well. Yeah. It's going to – and punter. It's going to be a heavy portal year for Texas. They're going to be active in the portal. All right, let's do a few more recruiting questions, guys, then we'll get back to some team ones. Uh, UT Boy, he says, do we have a realistic shot at Harlem Barry? Is Texas actively recruiting him? UT Boy knows this answer. He reads Inside Texas. He knows this answer. Yeah, Texas has a realistic shot. Are you kidding me? Deshaun Choice is recruiting him. So it goes without saying. Yeah, listen, it's Texas, LSU, and Florida right now. I know Jerry went down there probably like a few months ago. August. Yeah, August. Yeah. Listen, Harlem's a great kid. I caught up with him this week. LSU's going to be in the mix because they're home. Florida's got family ties to him, which they're really – that's a strong bond there. But yeah. He really likes Texas. He really likes Deshaun Choice. He loves the Jamal Charles comparison. I think there is a little bit of that in his gate and in, in his game. But, uh, yeah, they've got a realistic shot. Listen, if there's one position coach or two – Quarterback and running backs, if Texas goes after the number one at each spot, each cycle with Sark and with Choice, they're going to have a better than realistic shot. And so with Harlan Berry, they'd love to get him in Dallas for Texas OU next weekend. I know that's being talked about. And so they just got to chip away at that one. It's early, but heck yeah, they have a realistic shot, UT boy. And you know this because you read Inside Texas. I, I would say when I was down there, it was pretty – and most people thought LSU was a clear favorite, but Jabbar Jaluk being his uncle is very interesting to me in that recruitment. Uh, he did just visit Georgia. I mean, even even though Georgia – people aren't in the top three. Uh, the top three is LSU, uh, Florida, Texas. <clears throat> but even if you're not in the top three, you're going after him special speed. All right, y'all. We have – if I can get my mouse over – we have a question here, uh, and it's a loaded one from Juan Gomez. He says, good morning, y'all. Jerry and Justin, are there any 24 or 25 recruits that y'all like, but the staff hasn't gone after? Yeah, you know, there's – um, it's interesting. I was watching some kids. Casey uh, Poe. Hey, Casey Poe, he likes Casey. But, I mean, Texas, like, Texas looked at Poe as a center, so they got Daniel Cruz. But Casey Poe, I think, is a very good player. But that's who we like. That's who we think the staff should have gone after. At least I do. Casey Poe's the number one interior lineman in the nation. He's committed to Alabama. And he grew up a Texas fan his whole life and basically told Kyle Flood an offer would basically wrap it up. But I trust Kyle Flood. He likes his types. And Jerry knows Daniel Cruz fits that center position like a glove. Yeah, there was a uh, there's a JUCO undersized D lineman, but I love him. There's a kid named 
Kamari, I watched him the other day. Kamari Copeland. He's at Iowa, I believe Iowa Western Juco. Um, these are kids I love in recruiting. He he was a six one and a half, two hundred and thirty-five pound linebacker coming out of high school in Virginia that signed with Army. Um, Casey Post 2024, Mark Valdez. Um this kid, Kamari Copeland, he signed with Army out of high school as a 6'1 and a half, 235 pound linebacker. He played there year, then he transferred to Juco. He is now 6'2, 6'2 and a quarter, about 275, and is a seriously explosive guy D line. He's a bit undersized, but you look at him and say, what's he going to be like at 290 down the line? Um, those guys, I think, have high value in college football uh, because they're low. They're short enough to where they win leverage battle, but this kid is seriously twitched up. Uh, Kamari Copeland, a JUCO kid out of Iowa, who I believe Tennessee, Auburn, some others are starting to offer. But he's one that I was like, ooh. So more than a high school kid, I saw a JUCO guy. I was like, this guy's a chance. Uh, Cliff Hutchins, uh, any further recruiting going on in New Jersey? Uh, nothing, nothing major going on there. Texas is always going to try to have a little footprint up there. Obviously Kyle flood, uh, was the head coach at Rutgers from New York has tons of high school connections up that way. And the garden state, that is a state you can pull a kid from. They will come to the sec. Obviously Sadir Mitchell last year was sec recruitment. Then, uh, Nair Daniels this year was Georgia. He went to Georgia over Texas. So, these kids will come to the SEC. They're either going to Penn State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, or they're going to come to the SEC now. All right, y'all, before we move on, I need to tell everybody about my perfect franchise again. Are you stuck in the corporate rat race with two weeks PTO and no control over the money you can make or your schedule in general? Then call Andy. He will take you through a process to help you find a business that will fit your skill sets and your financial goals. Franchise ownership isn't for everyone, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, Call Andy or email him at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. And we want to thank him for sponsoring today's show. Okay, let's get back to some team questions here. Um, Keoli Frioli93 uh, says, would you take Kansas offensive skill player talent over OU's offensive skill player talent? Oklahoma has a receiver that can get down the field better than anybody Kansas has. Um, I, I Quarterback, think- Kansas. Running back, Kansas. Yeah, Mich- uh, Oklahoma, again, Oklahoma has the best deep throw threat of those guys. Um, I think uh, Kansas has maybe the most experienced guys, though. Uh, quarterback, running back, solid Jared t- tied in, H-back. Yeah. Uh, I think the one area mi- o- Oklahoma has is speed down the field at wideout. A few more athletes, yeah. And then we have a question here from Joseph Diaz. This has actually been asked a few times today by different people. But uh, do we know when the 2024 weekly schedule gets released? I, I've not heard on that one. I've not heard on that one. Justin, I, I don't think that's that's, that's something that won't come out till like the spring or maybe early summer. Or no, no, no. I think that's a spring thing. I think. Yeah. I, I want to answer a question. Britt Rasco asked Caleb Bell. He just looked up the Texas City running backs. Uh, he's 5'8", 180. That's not right. That's probably the last time he was at a, a camp. Uh, I saw him against Galveston Ball. He's definitely 5'8 and a half, about 210, 215. All right. Clan with a question here. Hey, fellas, thank you for the work you put in. What does Texas need to show you on Saturday to continue to build confidence? This And is this team a legit college football playoff contender? 
I think the next two weeks um, will show a lot uh, because Texas has played good defense against average offensive teams. They're going to be faced with two of the, the best two offensive teams they've played to date. Uh, so I think that's one. I think, too, that the thing I want to see this week is, look, I mean, it's been a, it's set up great from a coaching standpoint for Sark this year, as I've mentioned. Rice, you didn't play up to the standard, then you go on the road to Bama. Wyoming, you didn't play up to the standard, then you go on the road to Baylor. I guarantee you they're punching these guys this week. Are we going to be – we need to be as good a team at home as we are on the road. And if we're – if we play to the level we did against Rice or Wyoming, we may get beat Saturday. I, I You know from a coaching standpoint that's what they're saying. Um, I, I want to see them play to the level at home that they have on the road. If they do that against a good offensive team, um, then uh, then I'll, I'll, I'll start to say, okay – uh, but I just want to keep seeing this thing build uh, because they can definitely play better offensively and they can definitely play a lot better at home. No doubt. All right, Rudy Serda with the super chat. Thank you, Rudy. He says, is Gilbo still trying to get his confidence back from his knee injury? Um, Quite possibly. I mean, quite possibly. I think, I think uh, <clears throat> Gilbo's a hyper-competitive kid. Um, so hyper competitive kids who aren't getting a lot of snaps. I mean, that's tough on those guys. Okay. Let's see here. Um, oh, I just had a question and now I can't, oh, here we go. Jose Rodriguez wants to talk about Quinn Ewers. Jerry, how do you describe Quinn's throwing motion? It's all sidearm. Rarely does he change arm angles. Looks like VY gets balls batted down often. What are y'all thoughts on that? It's not all sidearm. It's, it's off platform. That's not a sidearm. I think um, I like that Quinn's got he gets the ball out quick. He's got a quick arm. I, I really like that about him. Um, you know, some people have said, "Well, is is his over? Does he struggle with deep ball because he's not over the top enough?" Well, I think a lot of it has to do with your front foot. Um, so that may be more of a footwork thing with the front foot. You gotta you, you gotta get that front toe. You gotta tap that front toe. Uh, but now I don't have an issue with this throwing motion. I mean, there's been a lot of guys very successful that have that throwing motion. He, he, he's a, he's natural at it. I mean, honestly, look at the football team. There's not many guys on the, in this program that do what he does as naturally as he does. That's why he was a five star. That's why he was a thousand rated kid. He, it's the flick of that ball. Now, when like you said with his feet, if he doesn't step into the ball and he's flicking it, you know, off platform guys, you know. You know, trying to hit different angles, that ball sails. When his foot's feet are in good position, when he steps into it, he can flick it with anybody. I, I wouldn't call it a sidearm. I would call it more of a ninety quarter. And I would call it, if you look at his deep balls, there's nothing sidearm about that. And I think he's getting more confidence with the, with the, with his receivers on those connecting on those as well. Antonio Harris, uh, super chat. I can I can address that. Go ahead. Um, yeah. Texas offered Nick's way back, but I think right now – he's a good player, by the way. Um, but I, I think right now Texas has some other linebackers. Uh, I'll tell you what, the O'Reilly Pettijohn kid from McKinney, his junior film is really good. Talk about a rangy. And his offers are building quickly. He was wearing so he's wearing Texas gloves in a couple of those highlight videos. Colorado just offered this week, and they're trying to get him in on a visit. Yeah, I think he may be at Texas OU. We're waiting to hear back. I think so, too. I think so, too. All right, that's gonna, we're going to do another super chat, guys. Burt Reynolds says, is Kansas better than OU? It's hard to tell from the on-Texas football hype this week. <laughs> um, 
I, I so I think Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma's tackles are real. Offensive tackles are good players. It's interesting. Their offensive line is similar to Kansas, uh, and and I, and I think that's a point to talk about because the Texas D line's a strength. Oklahoma's tackles are solid. Their interior guys have not been what uh, Oklahoma fans are accustomed to. Kansas tackles are better than their interior guys. Uh, so it's it's going to be interesting because I think Texas has the same strengths against the, both of those teams, uh, where Kansas State has the stronger interior of an offensive line to hold up against Texas. Uh, but Texas has an advantage uh, in a in in the a gaps and over the ball in that in, in both of those games. Um, like they're a little bit different. Uh, look, Kansas is Kansas is like a an old Chris Beard basketball team. I mean, they're extremely experienced, right? Um, out of the portal and just the guys that have been there a while. I mean, that's an extremely experienced team. Um, I, I think I think Oklahoma has more athletes and more personnel, but I'm not sure they're a better team than Kansas. I think Oklahoma would be a team that would beat themselves with mistakes, whereas Kansas is the team that won't. I Kansas, is, you have to beat Kansas, okay. you know, with execution, you're, because agree. they're not going to turn the ball over. They're, they're clean on their penalties. You're going to have to play a smart game, whereas OU can can, can be tripped up. Hey, uh, I, uh, I want to – Jason Preston said, Burke's going to test them tackle Saturday. I do think – and it's true for most teams. I do think Kansas' left tackle is much better than their right tackle after watching them against Nevada and BYU. So, I, I think Texas will attack the right tackle. All right, we got a super chat here from Edmund Lee. He says, with Texas winning the next two games, Big 12 championship, college football playoff, hook them. What do y'all think? I say if they win the next seven games, Big 12 championship, <laughs> college football playoff. Look, I, I think the next two are absolutely huge. And, and and I'm a coach's kid, so don't get me wrong. I know people say, oh, it's one game at a time, but we're not on the team. I'm not in the locker room. I'm not preparing the team, so I don't really care about that. <laughs> Okay, it's not my job to get prepared. Um, but if Texas wins the next two games, um, and and that means you've won at Bama, you beat Kansas, and you beat Oklahoma, and then you look at the back half of the schedule with how Big Twelve and the season's going so far, Texas played the tougher half of the schedule already, and that doesn't mean you're not going to. Georgia went to Missouri last year and on twenty six twenty two, so I get it. Georgia won at Kentucky sixteen six. They're clearly much better than those two teams versus the score. Um, but uh, Texas will have played the hardest half of the schedule. The difference will be the pressure gets amped up at the more games you win in a row. And then that leads me to this question, guys, from HornsFan224. He says, it feels like we should win out. Playing devil's advocate, why wouldn't we? Because I don't, I don't think Texas is a dominant team, but I don't think there's a dominant team in college football this year. I think Georgia's can be dominant defensively, but not offensively. They've taken a step back. Michigan, hard to tell. They have the most upperclassmen NFL guys. They're really good on the offensive line, so maybe they're a dominant team and they haven't had to be yet. But Texas isn't a dominant team, and if you're not a dominant team, then you can still get beat. I mean, there, there's no – It's first of all, it's hard to go 13-0, and 0, um, but it, Nick Saban had some really good teams that lost the game. I mean, that's just, and I know they were playing in a loaded SEC at that time. You know, those LSU teams were insanely talented. He lost to Ole Miss twice before they went on probation, right? I mean, it's it's hard to go undefeated. I mean, you go into TCU, 
while TCU may not be what they were last year, they are good enough to beat you if you don't play well, if you turn the ball yes. over. I mean, that's kind of where I come out on this stuff is – and, um, you know, look, we talked about earlier – Oh, man, Texas, they don't even have Oklahoma State on their worst team. Uh, the worst team Oklahoma State's had, that kind of stinks. But then you sit there and say, well, West Virginia mate, is pretty good on defense. I'm glad you don't have to play them. Not that they would beat Texas. But I just think it's, you know, look, you can – it's hard to go undefeated. Texas is in a truly dominant team. And I, I, the comments are going to say I'm nuts. But um, <laughs> Texas isn't – They say a lot of stuff. Texas is in Alabama in, with four first-round picks at wide out and, and, and two and then 37 upperclassmen are going to get drafted. Texas has a very good team, but they're not a dominant team. All right, just the dude, he asked, if John A continues on his current pace of play, does he put himself in the first-round talk? He, he was, I don't know if it's the first round, Jerry, but he's going to play on Sundays for a nice chunk of time. Yeah, yeah. Smart. Yeah, I mean, I think the uh I think the thing there is he was like first fringe, first, second round grade by NFL scouts headed into the season. That doesn't count underclassmen they're gonna file into the draft, right? So it's a lot of it's gonna come down to how he tests because but I Justin, I'll say this. I think he is gonna interview with NFL teams very well. We absolutely listen. I, I, I think that gives him a chance because I think today is smart. Yeah, listen, this is a very intelligent kid that studies and he's and he's got the twitch. And I think if he's not playing nickel star, he's the starting corner. Like the kid yeah. can cover. Yeah. All right. Let's stay on the defensive front for a minute. Juan Gomez says, "What score would make the defense be considered as elite? Is it under twenty? What do y'all think?" I think 21 against Kansas. I mean, Kansas is a good team. Um, even if – I mean, Kansas has a lot of experienced players. Um, if Even if you got up – even if Texas got up on them, Kansas isn't going away. I mean, so if you hold Kansas 20, 21 points, I think that's a really good defensive effort against maybe the best offensive team, most versatile offensive team you're going to play in the regular season. Best best quarterback you're gonna, they're going to face this year outside of a, a playoff or bowl game. Agree. All right, Brandon Huey says, "Is this the best Texas defense or the best defense Texas has had since 2005?" He no, no, the 09 team. Well, oh, I was going to say 08 or yeah, 09. 08, 09 with Muschamp and those guys. They were pretty good. Arakpo and Kendall off the edges. Lamar interior was Lamar Houston, Ben Alexander, like Roy Miller, those to Keenan Robinson, Earl. Keenan was a freshman. Yeah. 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 I I think uh, Aaron Williams couldn't start and played in the league for six years. Yeah. Yeah. 08, 08, probably a little better than 09, but that's that. Those are the ones I'm looking at. We'll see as the season moves along. Yeah. Cause 08, cause 09 lost Arakpo. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, Joshua Montoya says, "Can Texas become dominant this season?" I'm not. I'm not going to say they can't because they certainly have the talent too. Um, I, I think one of the keys to becoming dominant is everybody. You know, look the, when you're winning. I think the hardest thing nowadays in college football, and I'm not sure it hasn't always been this way, but it's more amped up now because of social media. Uh, is when you're winning, 
Do the guys who aren't playing as much as they want still have the same buy-in? Does the team stay together? I mean, I we look at, okay, what's a completion percentage? How many points are you scoring? This and this and that. But how are, how is your team over the course of a season? It's easy to have great chemistry going in. But I think what, what can make a very good team a dominant team is when those second team guys, when even, even if they don't like how many snaps they're playing, they stay bought in. They still impact winning. They're ready to play if there's an injury and they're not half one foot out the door. I think we're in a one foot out the door day and age of college sports. Um, so if everybody's bought in, and you're never going to have all 85, but if you can have a very high percentage of those 85 bought in to where it, you get in the next man up situation and one of those guys doesn't have their foot out the door already, then you have a better chance to be a dominant team. But you got to have everybody. I don't want to say row the boat, pulling in the same direction, all the coaching stuff, but you really do have to have that. All right, guys, we got time for just a few more questions here. And uh, we're going to do this one from Captain Americano. He says, how often does a player's personal life affect their play on the field? For example, sick family members, girlfriend breakup, etc. Most players are teenagers. So how do the coaches deal with that? Yeah, so uh, I, I, go, I, hold on, Justin. We'll both have an answer on this. Okay. We did, a, we did a, a study on this when I was at ESPN Under Armour, kind of tracking the five stars and some of the high four-star guys when we are selecting guys for All-American games and whatnot. And we found that – I'm not going to say the percentage. A lot of those guys it didn't have anything to do with football why they didn't make it. There were a few overrated guys, but it, there's – it's amazing. Injuries, personal life, student athlete, things that go on around all that can definitely, definitely affect how if a kid – maximizes or not more so than the football field it was kind of an amazing thing to go back and look at justin this is this is a wonderful like sociological case study i've i've picked up over the last 10 or 15 years people ask me all the time you know non-fans that aren't really into it as much as your super fans you know how does how does a, a small team go into to Michigan and upset them, you know, App State? How does a, a small team go into A&M, you know, like, you know, a and App State again, I guess, and, and upset A&M? Because these are 18, 19, 20, and 21-year-olds overall for the most part. And those guys, they're still kids. And it's, you, it's natural to have letdowns. If you play really well as a group for three weeks – you're going to have a human reaction that's kind of a letdown. And that's when a team like a Syracuse comes into town and bites you. Because once you get in that game and you kind of see that you start to sense that it's not going in your direction, there are kids that quit. There are kids that don't give max effort. In the NFL, you don't see it as much because those guys are relying on a livelihood. They know every snap is on film and they realize they could be cut tomorrow. So there's more of an urgency. There's more of a maturity. They're older in college. It's just like high school. I've, I've seen a ton of it in, in high school where, you know, you have a good little team, but some things go wrong. And by the third quarter, a good group has quit. They're just kind of going through the motions out there. That's why you see big upsets in college football. It's not because Alabama didn't put the best team on the field. It's not because Georgia didn't like look last week. I think it was last week or week before last UAB was battling with Georgia into the third quarter. That doesn't mean Georgia let up. 
but it's a natural human response to kind of not be as amped up. George has been playing in big games for the last two years, so they're not necessarily going to take UAB too serious. And you can have coaches emphasize this week after week. we got to focus on the opponent. Can't take them for granted. They're still kids. And so whenever you do see like a big upset, just understand there's probably a good dozen guys on either side of the ball that have started thinking about partying in the third quarter. They started thinking about their girlfriend. Maybe some of the nerds thinking about home homework they haven't finished. Just remember there's still kids and there's there's a tendency to, to, to regress, to, to, to let down, especially after a high emotional games, emotional wins. All right, guys. That's, got- that's Dr. Wells for you on that one. <laughs> we got time for one more question here. And uh, here's a good one from Gary Fortenberry. He says, how long would you think that it will take to get the culture that is being preached now entrenched at Texas? Is it something that needs to become – it is something that needs to become as permanent as can be? I think this is a great question. And and, and I, have, I may have a different answer than, than a lot of people have on this one. I think it's actually easier to build it than it is to sustain it after you have success. Um, yes. The reason I say that is, so if Texas goes on and has a really good season this year, and a really good season to me is you win the Big 12 and make a college football playoff. We'll see. A lot of Texas played four games. Long way to go. If, under the if scenario, they recruited the 2022-23 classes, and those guys are part of building it, where – where this gets tricky in the college game is those next group of kids you recruit, 25, 26, 27, they come in more expecting it to happen. It's the natural thing, right? Oh, I'm going there, Texas on top, boom, boom, boom. You get all the high fives at school, you know, all the peer pressure, man. Texas, that's the place to be. Or it's been Alabama or Clemson, right? I mean, but it's harder to sustain it in college sports because your next wave of guys coming in, they expect it. So the mental evaluations are big getting there. I think they're even bigger staying on top. I, I really do believe that because it's just uh, – it goes back to kind of what Justin said. You're talking about 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old kids. Um, um, you know, so that, that, that makes it tougher for me is to stay there. Brett Rasko, I hear you. I, I think PNG is a better team than Texas City. That game's at Texas City, though. <laughs> And I'm not counting Friendswood. I went there. They're okay. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, don't forget, later today, uh, we'll have questions answered on at noon. Um, and then at 3 o'clock, it'll be the live stream from the co-op with Rod, Bobby, and Jerry. Adult beverages while you're there that you can have for free while you shop and look around. Um, and then, of course, listen to the guys. So be sure to check that out if you're in the Austin area. If not, Wait a minute. Live the co-op? The co-op gives you cold beer yeah. when you're in there shopping? Yeah, on Friday afternoon around the live stream. Yeah, they have a, they have a happy hour. Now, I got to tell you something. That, that's an interesting marketing thing. That's interesting. <laughs> I've had to go I've had to go shopping before, you know, as the honeydew list with, 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 a, with a girlfriend. I had to go shopping. And when you do that in Austin, a lot of times those people will bring you a drink because they know the guy's there. What are you doing here? What do you mean what am I doing here? I'm having to go do this with her. And they would bring you a drink. And I thought, okay, you know, have a cold beer while I'm doing this. That's not a bad idea. I didn't realize they were doing it to co off. That's some good marketing. I, well, look, look, I think it's very smart because 
if you if you get two drinks, you're in there 15 minutes longer. And if you have two drinks, you're more than likely to pull out the credit card versus the debit card. Amen. If you have three drinks, you're more likely to go over there. And, and, and if yeah. your son wants something and he's badgering you about it after three beers, you get the first, you get the personalized Texas jersey. You'll pick up six hours later. <laughs> yes, I love it. I Walk out of there spending $450 and you, and you drink two Kurz Lights. <laughs> so it's like going to a game. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'll throw again. Questions answered at noon, live stream at three from the co-op with Rod, Bobby, and Jerry. And then free adult beverages if you're there in person. If not, check out the live stream. And then, uh, guys, I'm going to let y'all talk about what you got coming on over at Inside Texas here in just a little bit. Yeah, the weekend live thread, the Texas KU weekend live thread's up. So that's a great place to come in and talk Texas, Kansas. There's Inside Texas promo code OTFIT23, $1 for two months. Looks like a David Williams training course to me, OT Fit 23. Um, but it, go over into Inside Texas, over 300 articles again this month. Fastest growing Longhorn site in the market by far, just like the On Texas football is blowing away the competition. So is Inside Texas. I uh, got DeAndre Robinson news over there. Updated visitors list from Justin. We'll have uh, a little bit more recruiting stuff coming up here in about an hour. The light weekend game threads going. Uh, we'll have a uh, we'll have a lot of things going over at Inside Texas, and we'll see you over there if you're not there. Real quick, I meant to ask y'all this question uh, from Patrick Page. He says, "Are you guys going to be in the club behind the end zone or part of the media folks next to Bevo? He's going to be at the game, and would like to meet you guys if that's cool." I'm not going to be there this week. I don't think Justin is either. Maybe next time, Patrick. Yes. Maybe next time, Patrick. Take a rain check. <laughs> or a <All> right, check. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this edition of Coffee and Football. We want to thank Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net for sponsoring today's show. We want to thank all of you guys for tuning in. All of the super chats, too, of course. Um, and don't forget to be head on over to InsideTexas.com for all the latest and greatest. As they said, they got some good stuff coming up. Weekend-long coverage of the Kansas game. You don't want to miss that. And then uh, questions answered at noon. Co-op live stream at 3. So for Jerry Hamilton and Justin Wells, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you next time.